welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Travis Williams. Travis is a blogger for the Jew 3 Project and a faithful, loyal supporter since day one. I've known Travis since college. Um, And he was in the campus ministry I was a part of. Uh, actually he was one of the campus ministry leaders um and so i'm so thankful to have him today welcome travis thank you i'm grateful and humbled to be here and uh yes lisa we go way back to the the days on unf campus so yeah it's (laughs) awesome awesome to see the the evolution and god just gracing us and uh still being with us so yeah that's awesome so for those who don't know about who you are, kind of give them a little bit of background. What are some uh, facts you want to share about Travis Williams? Um, man, uh, so born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, proud of that. Um, uh, saved in college on UNS campus, so uh, I'm passionate about campus ministry because that's where the Lord found me at. Um, I am married to my college sweetheart, Kristen Williams. And uh, happily, happily married to her. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, I'm actually, I work in the marketplace. And so uh, I run a, a small uh, wealth management firm in, in Jacksonville. And so I've been in the financial services industry for uh, a little over five years. Um, and so big believer and uh, pusher of marketplace ministry and my, my, my financial planning practices, my pulpit, I believe, and uh, locally involved in ministry uh, as well. Um, and so serve faithfully in my local church. And um, I, think that's, I think that's about it. That's, that's just all the interesting things about me. And I, I love, love the Jude 3 Project and everything it, it, uh, it does for believers like myself. Awesome. Well, thank you for agreeing to uh, be on today. I'm very, very excited. Um, I, have, I brought Travis on because he wrote a blog about his love for the church. And, um, as I was reading through the blog, I was like, you know, I think this would be better as a conversation. We've talked about this several times, um, throughout the years and us growing in our faith. Um, because I think both of us kind of went through stages in our growth Mm -hmm. and development. And, um, I know for myself that, um, early on when I started getting heavily into um, theology and a lot of doctrinal studies and trying to just um, read as many scholars as I could, I kind of started having this kind of arrogance about me um, Mm. because I had all this information, but it actually hadn't processed through me yet. You know, in my, you know, you can have a Mm -hmm. lot of, weighty information I, I Eric Mason says it so perfectly he said sometimes we want weighty information with without a way to actually practice that information um yeah. we want yeah. to win debates but we don't want to have we don't want to practice it in 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 things as like, that are practical like loving your neighbor <laughs> um, 
yeah. unselfishly giving. We mm-hmm. we want to have all these theological debates um, because it makes us feel like, man, I know something. But really, God yep. cares about what you do on a day. That information is great, but if your orthodoxy doesn't affect your orthopraxy, there's there's yes. going to be a problem there. So um, that's why we want to talk about that today um, with Travis. Did you go through kind of a similar thing yeah yeah definitely um i man that's one of the biggest things i think i am very hip to it now just because i see myself um and a lot of young believers i'm a young believer myself uh but you know god has graced me over the years and i've definitely seen a a passion and a zeal and you know one of the things i when i'm talking to somebody who's young in crisis and i see that zeal and that passion um that 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 zeal is, is normally representative of a fire. You know, we say somebody's on fire for Christ. And mm-hmm. we remember that point when we were on fire for Christ. Yeah. And I, I think we still are, but in a, in a sense, it was a different fight. But, but fire can burn a house down or warm a house. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on how it's contained. And I think a lot of times in our youthfulness and our zeal, we were a fire outside of context, outside of where that fire should be confined to. And we were almost a fire that will burn a house down mm-hmm. rather than warm a house and bring comfort um, to people around us. And so, you know, I definitely remember that point where I just was a huge one. And, um, you know, in first Corinthians, Paul talks about knowledge puffs up mm-hmm. and it definitely knowledge gives you a big hit. And I, I think as, as we begin to be more educated, particularly in the African-American community, and maybe our parents or our grandparents aren't as educated we are. We sometimes feel that we've surpassed them in a lot of areas just because of our knowledge. Um, and I'll put quotes around that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you don't really know something until you've lived it. I, yeah. I believe um, you can yeah. know something in theory, but I don't think it becomes really knowledge and wisdom until you've actually flushed it out in how you live yeah um, and i think that's a big thing the, the wisdom versus the knowledge of the wisdom is knowledge applied and so a lot of times we just don't have the wisdom we have the knowledge but how do you apply that scripture that you can quote like 20 times around in the hb and the nib and you know little greek and he you know how can you actually apply that stuff mm-hmm. and not just have the knowledge in your head yeah and i think that's so important for our listeners um, with the G3 project, because I get so many people saying, man, I just, I'm, I'm reading these books y'all recommending, you know, I'm learning all this stuff and it's great. I think the, you, you, I think you learning is great, but I'm always careful, um, because there has to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know how my journey was and I know how arrogant and my disposition towards certain people that I feel didn't know as much as me um, Mm -hmm. was when I started learning a lot of information. And so I'm always, I always want to kind of have talks this to kind of help people that are learning new things balance themselves out. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that there's, you know, there's balance in a sense to our walk um, with what we learn and what we practice. Um, yeah. It should go hand in hand. Yes, I definitely agree. And I think uh, you mentioned orthodoxy and orthopraxy. 
earlier, and um, we don't like that that orthopraxy part. We, that's not something that we're very uh, fond of, I think. And as I've gotten older and I've actually been able to put flesh things out, as we said, it's really it's really made me not put a pause on so much knowledge, but say, you know what, Travis, you know a lot. But now you've got to do something and actually being able to flesh some of those things out. I'm, I'm seeing things that I learned years ago. I'm actually now doing it and trying to do it. And so, you, like you mentioned, you have to have that balance. And when you're actually trying to do things, you have time to have your head in a book all day because you're actually doing some of those things. You're, you're fleshing out what you're learning. Uh, when you get busy, you know, doing the work of the ministry and, and doing what the Lord has called us actually do and not just know, it'll make you pump the brakes on just trying to read and consume so much. Mm-hmm. And you will have time to pick fights on social media about <laughs> theology when you're actually living out Come your on. faith. <laughs> Come uh, on. <laughs> I've been there, yes. done that. I find myself, it's so funny, the more I do the work of ministry, the less time mm-hmm. I have to argue with people on social media. You you don't. <laughs> you you just you just scroll and laugh and <laughs> uh, and pray. And that's the thing though. You you do what you're hearing about. You know, Proverbs says a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns turns away wrath. And so you can know that scripture and quote it, but when you're actually doing it and living it out, you can give a soft answer on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And turn away wrath, and not and not be debating, and 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 be infighting, and being pugnacious on a, a social media tool, and having non-believers saying, "Look, that's why I don't want to be a part of that." And so, you know, even in that symbol of commentary you just gave, that that's that's you living out what you know, and being able to say, "I'm not going to say anything back. I'll pray for that brother or that sister, and if I see them one on one, we can chop it up, but not not on because that's that's not productive." It really isn't because you can't, you got to think, I always think about like, I go back and think about, man, how many unbelievers were reading what I wrote when I was like Mm -hmm. on 10 on social media years ago (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and saying, man, so argumentative, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think that, you know, when you like, that's not loving, you know, thinking about what people have thought just reading things that I posted because I felt like, man, I got to prove this point and I got to win. It, the one of the reasons I do courageous conversations is because people don't know how to have a conversation and I'm blessed to have um, experience in different groups to say, okay, this is important. Like I've come from a, you know, both of us come from a non-denom Pentecostal type background. Um, mm-hmm. But we have friends that are reformed. And yep. those kinds of conversations can go a lot of different ways based yes. on the day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, but I have Southern Baptist friends. I have Anglican friends, you know, mm-hmm. and I believe that we have to, all, everybody has something to offer. And, yep. you know, we sell ourselves short when we don't talk to people and see the richness of every tradition. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I think that it's important that we learn how to have those conversations and we don't make blanket statements or put memes about people's denominational sex on on Facebook as a joke. 
um, yeah. to kind of boost our our thoughts and then um, diminish others. Because I was I had an interview on the radio uh, a few weeks ago, and after the interview, the guy was like, "You know, I'm really thankful for the G3 project because y'all allow a space." for different people who have different denominational views. And he Mm -hmm. was like, you don't find that because most people have their denominational view and then they kind of diminish everyone else's when it comes to a theological conversation. And I don't think we can have robust conversations if we're not inviting everybody to the table to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. And I, I think as, as, as members of the one church, the um, universal church. Uh, we can't close ourselves off to what our brothers and sisters have to offer. And, um, you know, that that's, I don't know if I did it intentionally, but you know, from a young Christian age, you know, being a, a young believer, at a young age, I begin to, uh, spiritually young age, begin to surround myself with different types of people, like you just mentioned. And even the people that I listen to, the pastors and teachers I listened to were all sound, I thought, and but they had different perspectives. Um, they had very different perspectives. So I, I listened to Tony Evans. I listened to uh, my pastor, uh, uh, Bishop Von McLaughlin. I listened to a, um, a a Chip Ingram. I listened to a Rocky Zacharias. Um, I listened to a Alistair Begg. I was listening to all these guys, and and they they gave me different viewpoints but all truth. And, it, and I think it made me be able to engage and not be stuck in a box um, because I wasn't in a place that was trying to indoctrinate um, me and indoctrinate me and not just educate me. So I think when we, we just open up our eyes and, and be willing to know that the church is bigger than my church or the church is bigger than my denomination. And so having that love for just the, the universal church if we take that viewpoint of things, it'll, it'll open us up to, hey, there's some other things out here that I can be privy to if I just open up my, my mind to be receptive to others. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So you wrote a blog for the G3 Project on why you love the church. Um, yeah. Why did you think that was important to say? Why? Um, because I know that had been heavy on your heart. Yeah. Uh, actually, the the... The thought came from uh, you. You know, you approached me and said, "Hey, you know, do you have anything you want to do for for a new block?" And the the thought came from a song I was listening to, and I won't name the artist, but <laughs> Christian uh, Christian artist. But he had a, a a line at the end of the the verse, and it said something to the tune of, um, "And despite or it doesn't matter what these pastors say, I want them to know that God loves them." And I just thought it was so interesting that he ended the song that way, basically like, hey, bump what these pastors say. You know, God loves you. And it just rubbed me the wrong way. To be quite frank, it rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And um, I just really began to think and ponder that why do we as believers, why are we so hypocritical and judgmental of ourselves as a church? And um, I, I think we, even in, in the the, the uh, poetry settings um, like people cm and other outlets um christian music i've just sent the very 
hypercritical tone to how we address the church. And um, it just bothered me, you know, and I figured, hey, I got an outlet. Let me pray about this and and put the pen to the paper and really try and share my love for the church and, and why even though the church has all its flaws and it's had its flaws, if you go back to the book of Acts, it doesn't take long for you to see issue in the church very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the church was still progressive. It still was doing great things. God was still moving. Mm-hmm. And with all the issues the church has today, the church of Christ is alive and well. Mm-hmm. It, it is alive and well on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we get out of our Western mindset, we take up our Western um, lenses and we begin to, again, look at the universal church. Mm-hmm. We'll see that God is still moving. And because um, we are the church. And so the same folks that are the critically or overly critical of the church, I think sometimes they forget that I am this church. I, I am. This church is me. And I am this church. And so it really was part of that, that song and, and hearing those words really. Yeah, and that's so true. I I remember one of my friends checking me because this was back during the time that I used to post all this stuff about, you know, the black church need to get it together. You know, the black church this, the black church that. And she was like, so you feel caught to reach the black church, but you spent all your time shading them on social media. Like, mm. how are you gonna? How are you gonna be shot, effective? Shot in, <laughs> how are you gonna be effective in reaching them? And yeah. it was that comment that she made that changed my whole social media game and how I address the church. Because it's mm-hmm. like, if you want to help, then really help. Yeah. Um, po- a post isn't gonna help. Yeah. Um. It could bring awareness. I mean, if you're doing a campaign, but it has to be in a a loving way. You're yeah. a zealous person on the outside trying to critique something, but you're trying to separate yourself from it. Mm-hmm. In order to bring change to something, you must work with what you're trying to bring about change. And I don't think yeah. that, you know, the best way to bring about change in anybody is yelling at them from the outside. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you probably know this better than I do because you're married. So I think the best way yes. to, um, you know, help bring about change in the lives of other people, if you love someone, is not to yell at them or, you know, mm-hmm. demand that they change. It's yeah. to work with yeah. them and bring your flaws to the table, too, and acknowledge that you have issues um, yes. and work together. So, um yeah, I think we miss that because we want to come to the church, tell them what's wrong with them. And it's just like, well, you got a whole lot wrong. I know it's a whole lot wrong with me. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we both I, got issues. Yeah, and I, I, I think just that arrogance thing, I, I think sometimes as millennials, um, it's everything's new to us, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's new to us. So we're just like, no, this, this has to be fixed now. Mm-hmm. This has to be, this is just, this is not, right this has to be fixed now and, and we got to realize that you know some of the debates i used to get in in college and you know thank god thank god for a good pastor you know he just kind of broke down like man the church has been arguing about this stuff before you were twinkling in your daddy's eye like the church has always some of these issues have, have been issues and in our our youthfulness and our lack of knowledge and lack of understanding at times you know we we just overreact to some things instead of instead of rolling up our sleeves 
and get my hands dirty and start doing something about the change that we want to see. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the issues I have when people voice opinions is, man, are you locally involved in a local church? Mm-hmm. Are you involved in a local church? Are you active in a local body? Are you serving anybody? Are you submitted to anyone? Because some of the change you may want to see may be you being active and um, presenting some of those ideas. And so we just got to realize that, first of all, the issue's always been there, and we're a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Not us, not us uh, putting people on blast, um, being you know, overly uh, critiquing, but we're a part of that solution. And as the, the church has progressed, just like in Acts 6 or 7, when there was, there was uh, issues with distribution of food because it really was racial issues. I mean, from the beginning, there, there were prejudice issues in the church. And so they came to the apostles and they said, hey, we have to give our time to prayer and reading of God's word. You know, look out among you, find, find men who are noble, full of the spirit, give, get repute, and put them over the distribution of food because we really can't give our time. That's important, but this this is this other thing we're doing is important. So they went out into the body, people who are locally involved, and those people who are already involved helped fix the issue. Mm-hmm. And I think the same with the same thing is with us when we're active and here. When leadership comes and says, hey, man, this is the issue. We've got to change it. They look out and say, hey, who can we get to do this? If you're there and available, then now you're hands-on helping to fix the issue and not just a, a mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't really be a defender of the faith apart from a local church. Yes. Now, that's a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a yes. Amen <laughs> to that. You can't be. A, and so, um, you know, a, a lot of people want to, you know, they have this rebelliousness against the church. Um, yes. And it's like, OK, so you want to defend Christ, but you don't want to be associated with his body. Yeah. Um, The body he died for. Yes, um, the body he's coming back for. He's yeah. not coming back for individuals. <laughs> the bride of Christ. He's coming, he's, he's coming back for his church. <laughs> if you're a part of it, or you ain't a part of it. He ain't coming back for Travis. Yeah. Um, he's coming back for his church. I've got to be a part of his church for him to come back for me. And, and I don't know if we necessarily get that. Yeah. And I don't think people see it like that on the broad scale. It's just like me coming to, going to Kristen and being like, Kristen, you know, um, yeah. Man, anything you need, I'm down for you. But Travis, <laughs> he sucks. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm down for you, Chris. You see the other side of my wife. <laughs> you see the other side of her. She's sweet as she can be, but you talk about her man. The <laughs> <Be> issues. <laughs> so, you know, that would make no sense. And I think we yeah. we don't think about it in that way. Yeah. When we're, when we're, it's like God is, he really, he died for the body and you like mm-hmm. man I hate the body but you know what you and me cool Jesus yeah yeah <laughs> that's crazy that's, that is crazy but that that's really our that's really our position is that we love Christ but we're so critical of his church mm-hmm. and and I think just we don't get maybe we just haven't gotten a revelation that the church is not a building it is not the building you pass by Mm-hmm. It's not the building you worship, and you don't go to church. Mm-hmm. And we don't. And we say that, and I know what we mean. But we don't go to church. We are the church. Mm-hmm. The church is us, and we are the church. And so, 
when we get that revelation, it's like Paul says, man, no man hates his own body. Mm-hmm. No man hates himself, but he loves himself. And when you hungry, you go get something to eat. And so we realize that, hey, man, this, this body, this, this church is me. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of the thing. I think it'll change our position and change our vernacular and how we how we talk about it when we realize that, hey, I'm a part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it's, I think it's, it, it will help humble us because it's kind of like, I'm not, even if you see something wrong with a specific, ch- the church you go to, um, mm-hmm. you have to come in it thinking that there's something wrong with you too. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think we think like, there's no perfection in us. So mm-hmm. when you get a whole bunch of imperfect people together, there's going to be imperfections because yeah, it's the church is made up of imperfect people that are striving to be like a perfect Christ. Yeah. Um, and so when we think about it that way, we'll come with a, a sense of humility. Like I'm the, we're the body. So you come and you might be the leg. Mm-hmm. They, you see a whole bunch of arms and you like, well, man, you, and instead of saying, okay, we fit together, we say, oh, you're not like me or you're not strong in the area. I'm strong in, so I got to out on you because you ain't mm-hmm. getting this and I'm trying to teach yeah. you. And it's like, well, you know, we all make up certain parts of the body and we all are needed. And when we start mm-hmm. seeing that the we need the people, God rigs our lives so we would de- be dependent on him and on others. Like yeah. we're just not independent we would like to we are but we need other people and yeah. so i think we don't approach it that way amen amen i definitely agree um for those who listening because we we have a lot of college students who are listening that are really radical um and really zealous uh yeah. and they love <laughs> campus ministry yeah. but they don't go to church <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we saw it a lot in uh in our campus ministry days. What would you yeah. what would you uh what would man, be your advice man, to that? Man, man, man. <laughs> so shout out to shout out to YBOG, my YBOG fam. Um my brother Devin Demps, uh just, you know, God really helped him to start an amazing ministry on UNF's campus and I was fortunate enough to, to be involved in it and serve in it for some years and uh you know just um, people really tried to make us their pastors, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Des experienced it for a lot longer than I did, but I was like, I have a pastor. His name is Ron McLaughlin, and my church is, is uh, on the west side of Jacksonville. You want to come, he's welcome, but I ain't your pastor. <laughs> um, and and uh, Des would echo that, that same thing because he's involved in a local ministry as well, but I think just not having a good uh, ecclesiastical point of view, um, good theology when it comes to the, the church and, and what it what is it what it's about. Um, you can have people really substituting campus ministry for for their their church. And um, God called us. He said, "I'll give you pastors according to my own heart, not campus ministry leaders, not mm-hmm. small not small group leaders. Um, so I give you pastors to feed you." And um, we need that in our lives and campus ministries are great. I mean, they are great. I got saved on a college campus and was heavily discipled 
through a campus ministry. It saved my life. I'll go out that far to say that that campus ministry saved my life. Um, before I, my life got too crazy, it was already a little crazy before it got too crazy. And so, but we have to be under the auspices of a local church. Um, and it's crazy how you talk about the zeal. All the all the books that we're quoting, the scriptures we're quoting from. Guess what? They were written to local churches. And I think that's a point that sometimes we just don't get that. You know, you quote all these different scriptures from these different books. They were written to bodies of believers who fellowship with each, with each other at a local church or a pastor of a local church. And so same tools that are being used, sometimes we get, I think, so deep into the text that we don't branch out and, and really look, okay, who's the text written to? You know, when was it written? Why was it written? And so these are written to local bodies of believers who are fellowship at local churches. And so we miss out on some of what God has for us. I'm not saying that those folks are going to hell because they're not a local church, but you're missing out on what God has for you and the fellowship of believers coming together in an orderly fashion because things have to be done in decent order and under the auspices and the, the, the shelter and the covering of a local pastor mm-hmm. because he, he gives us shepherds and we can't think that that's too institutional or that's, um, that's just, that's just too much orderly for me. I know, no, God made us this way. And as new Testament believers, we should all be involved in the local church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm not accountable for your soul as your campus ministry leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am not, but as a pastor, pastors are accountable for the soul that God has given them. And, you need that shepherding and that covering. We we all need it, especially as babes in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we we need that too because when when we get all this information and we think we're so we're the we're the uh Christian Christian M V P um <laughs> most valuable player. We wanna come in an organization and change it. Like mm-hmm. and it's kinda like, no, you gotta you got to earn respect. You got to earn credibility. Um, I think one of the most humbling things that happened to me was I went in, um, to, this is so funny. I, I have to tell this story. Bishop is your pastor. Uh, I went to, uh, him back. I don't back before I went to seminary and I was like, yeah, Bishop, I'm going to, I was like, I want to use your facilities for a conference for apologetics. And he was like, okay, you can use it. Um, and I was like, you know, I, you know, God is, I, I know he wants me to be an apologist and I just, you know, want to help, you know, the black church be more educated. And I got this burden and he was like, oh, okay. And, um, for the rest you, for our listeners, you have to know him, but everybody who passed by, he was like, Lisa, she thinks she's an apologist. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and he yeah, was like, so what you got? You got you got your MDiv. Uh, what's your credentials? I was like, well, I, I minored in religious studies at UNF. And then he started firing off on all these books. You read this book? Uh, no, sir. You read this book? <laughs> no, sir. You heard of this person? No, sir. He was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> go to seminary. <laughs> so it's, it's it's funny because it's like you need those people to kind of say mm-hmm. hey you know 
I got you. You read it. You listened to some podcasts. <laughs> you read some books. You read some articles, and now you think you're gonna go change the world. Um, yeah. Sit your behind down. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and and be taught. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, we need those people. Um, you know, I'm thankful for my parents because they they would do the same thing to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, you learned all this stuff. Okay. Well, we've been we've been Christians for like thirty years, so yeah, yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. And, and I that that I don't know why. Well, I think it's just part of us just growing up and maturing, but we rebel against that guidance. Mm-hmm. And I can personally say, for me, um, for you know people that know me, they people tell me like you you act like an old man. Um, you got an old soul, you know, some variation of that, and. Um, and I used to be offended by that when I was younger, but I kind of embrace it now. Um, but I really think what's helped me is that wise counsel has really helped me to not make stupid mistakes. Now, I've made my share of stupid mistakes, but having the wise counsel in my life and people who've been down the path that I'm trying to go down to, it's like me being married. And my wife and I have only been married for a few years. And so who am I to think that I've got this husband thing that had? Mm-hmm. And there are people like your parents who've been married for years, decades, and who am I to come in and, and try and do the thing alone without having that wise counsel? And it's the same thing with our Christian faith. We get saved and God has positioned people in our lives to help us navigate and walk through this thing. We cannot be arrogant enough to think that our wise counsel can only come from people who've only been saved the same amount of time as we have. Mm-hmm. And our feedback and when we go to, when we want to have a conversation about theology we go and grab our buddy who got saved the same year we did <laughs> <laughs> and meet up at Starbucks and we develop our own mindset around you know what we think is right or wrong no that that is just not wise it's not wise in the business world and it, it ain't wise in Christian and neither and so we cannot rebel against the wise counsel because it's, it's excuse me my, my friends but it's ignorant as we think our parents are because they didn't go to college and because they don't know who Rob Zacharias is or they don't have read some of the books, you know what? They do have the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and they love Jesus and they've got wisdom upon wisdom of live this life that we will sit at their feet and listen. It, it will help us tremendously. Amen. I, I definitely agree because the stuff I've learned from church mothers and mm-hmm. older men and elders in the church is things that have enriched my life more than seminary books. Um, mm. The lessons I've learned from listening, gleaming from older seasoned Christians has yeah. blessed my life tremendously. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for it. You know, mm-hmm. I could you know, I, I know how to handle myself in a conversation with somebody in another faith. I know how to, I, you know, I read, I read the books. I, I took the classes but there's mm-hmm. something that comes from gleaming from older people that will help you in the rough seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think that, you know, as us younger, I I think that what I think we both have learned is that we need the elders um, yes. to kind of navigate and gotta. Yes, we definitely do. And I, I think when you look at Paul writing to, uh, I believe it was Timothy, and just talking about how the older older men 
should teach the younger men and the older women should teach the younger women. And he was teaching how the church should be ran. And, you know, there's this chasm that it seems like sometimes a rift between older and younger. And God has created us for each other. Mm-hmm. We cannot, as millennials in this younger generation, we cannot do what we need to do without their help. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have experience. They have the wisdom. They have the know-how in so many areas. We cannot do what we need to do without them, and then vice versa. They cannot do and finish strong in their lives without us because we have the zeal and the strength that they once had. Mm-hmm. So when we realize that we are, you know, my pastor did a, a message, um, and he talked about a dream team, and in basketball, every good team is not just a bunch of young superstars. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, most young teams that gets young players do poorly. They don't perform well. But most great teams have some old savvy veterans. They have a couple young superstars. They have the people who've been in the league a few years. They have a good mixture of the young and the old walking and working together. And that's what the church is. It's a mixture of the young and old working together. And we can do great things when we work together. Amen. And we saw that demonstrated at the last G3 event. We had um, Dr. Gayton, yeah. which is our senior apologist mm-hmm. on, the, on the team. And we had a panel. Me represent the black female perspective. Cam, the black male younger perspective. And we had the senior on there. And it, I think it brought such a balance to the conversation. Yes, it um, did. And um, so, Travis, what, uh, what would be your last words you want to leave for our listeners? Man, um, fall back in love with the church is what I would say for our listeners. Um, the church needs you, um, but the church is doing well. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and well on planet Earth, and people are still passing from death to life. Um, people are still being transformed and changed, and um, we don't need our generation to point so many fingers and be so hypocritical or be so so critical of the church. But we, we need to get our hands dirty. We need to get in there, get in the trenches, um, build relationships, um, give ideas, give concepts, and know that we're part of this church. We are the body of Christ, and he's coming back for his body. And so um, I would challenge every believer that's listening, if you're not in a local church, some practical points, get involved in a local church. Find your local church, a pastor that can feed you, um, a local congregation to fellowship with. If you're in a local church, get involved in that local church. Get into a ministry that you can use the gifts that God has given you. And if you're in a local church and you're kind of serving in ministry, take it to the next level. Um, If you're holding back, get more involved. Step up to the plate more. Look to serve more and really see God uh, bless you for for giving that effort. effort. And, um, I'd say that our, our, our listeners uh, will fall back in love with the Church of Christ because he's coming back for us. Amen. Amen. This has been a great discussion. Um, thank you, sister. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for joining us on the G3 Project today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com 
um, backslash Jude 3 project. And remember, you can donate on our site. So if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you, help support us financially um, by going on our website at Jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating. Consider donating to us. Thank you so much. Remember, at the Jude 3 project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.